0: Hello and welcome back to the Dahlcast giving you all the information about Dahl Square Football Club and it is going to be our Christmas special today released on the 23rd so whatever you're doing maybe making your last few present orders or wrapping your presents getting the table laid for Christmas dinner you are ready and listening to the greatest podcast and joined as usual by Adam mate. Last minute Christmas preparations in your household Adam how are they going?
1: Well, actually, for once, I'm I'm fully uh, ahead with the Christmas presents. They're all wrapped, all ready to go. Uh, Going to do the last drop-offs probably tomorrow, get them all out of the way. And, uh, yeah, well, the, the tree went up a little bit later this year. I've uh, been a bit busy with, with work, and my mum's been busy with work. So that, that's been a last-minute thing. But, uh, yeah, I'd say we're pretty much there, ready to go, and uh, looking forward to that lunch on uh, Saturday as it is this year for, for Christmas Day.
0: Well, at least one of us is prepared. I've hardly got any of my Christmas presents. I've got these secret sandwiches I need to get. We're recording the 21st, so I need to get get these presents going. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to wing it last minute, trying to do the last-minute orders. Usually, I'm ahead of the game, but this year, I've been very lazy. Like you, maybe, with the Christmas tree. That was up a bit earlier for us. But, anyways, we need to uh, get some cheer after the recent defeat, don't we? We're trying to get a positive spin Obviously, we did do a podcast last week. We couldn't really get our heads around the game. 2-1 defeat against Leyland, a massive game, wasn't it? Two red cards in the end, down to nine men. Somehow went 1-0 up and actually even looked good. Leyland didn't really do much, even though they were playing against 10 men for most of the game. Then nine men for the last few minutes. 1-0 up, but then two late goals. Disappointing result, wasn't it, Adam?
1: Yeah, off the back of that big win that we before the 8-1 victory, so then I think everyone was so confident and just really, really excited and hyped for this game. And to then go 1-0 up, I remember I, I checked my phone and I uh, saw the goal had just gone in and I was, I was buzzing, you know, 1-0 up. And then obviously, unfortunately, yeah, two late goals to ultimately what looks like now stealing the league away for this season. So credit to Leyland, fair play, but uh, we'll come back stronger as usual and hopefully a, a good cup run and
0: maybe a cup victory at the end of the season for Dahl. Exactly. Obviously, as we said before, for Stu and for the the chairmen and stuff like that, the league is the priority. But I think that for the players, the managers, we've spoken to them, they love the Cup. That's the dream, to win a Cup. And maybe the league is pretty much out of sight now with Leyland winning. But let's go for a Cup win. We're still in the Cup. We can still easily win that. And so there's going to be positives going into the new year. And Mike, I'm going to bring you in. We've got joined by our American guest today, Mike. Let's get to know you, first of all. We're going to have, hopefully, a positive year with cut runs. You're a Dahl Square fan. You follow the Dahl Square. Um, let's get to know you, and the best way to get to know you is to work out, then, your Christmas. Because America's a bit different, would you have a Christmas dinner?
2: Yeah, first and foremost, uh, thanks for having me on the pod, guys. Really appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. And, uh, yes, a Christmas dinner uh, every other year, of course, but as we all know, uh, this year is just a bit different. Um, and as we were talking about offline, it looks like it's going in uh, uh, the other direction instead of uh, progressing. So, uh, yeah, our plans have pretty much been interrupted. Uh, we do have a few positive cases in our immediate family. And, uh, yeah, I think we're just going to bunker down, call it, you know, just call it simple. And, and uh, yeah, just wait for this one to pass, I suppose. Yeah, it's not going
0: to be the greatest, I guess, with family coming over with COVID, but hopefully still celebrate it. To clarify, does your Christmas dinner have a turkey in it or is that just for Thanksgiving?
2: That For us, that's Thanksgiving, 100%. Uh, and actually, uh, you know, un- hashtag unpopular take, as the kids like to say, uh, I actually like Thanksgiving uh, better than Christmas. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with that turkey dinner. But yeah, we, we uh, won't normally do a turkey uh, at Christmas, maybe like a ham, a nice ham if we're lucky boys. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's turkey all the way for Thanksgiving, not for Christmas.
0: Can't believe we brought someone onto our Christmas special that prefers Thanksgiving than Christmas dinner <laughs> or Christmas Day. Oh, don't worry Mike but what about I heard your pigs and blankets are a bit different in America I think you don't wrap the sausage with bacon your pigs and
2: blankets is like pastry around the sausages am I right that's right just a wiener wrapped in uh, like a croissant or yeah pastry type of thing that's right because you're missing out
0: because pigs and blanket I don't know about you Adam but I think that's one of my favorite things about the Christmas dinner
1: yeah, that's a that's a big big thing on the dinner plate on the, on a Christmas day. Yeah, that's I'd say that's probably my favourite component. You know, which is a bold claim, but I think that's one that most people could probably
0: get. behind. go on then, Adam. Tell us all your Christmas hmm. plate. What would you lay on that plate?
1: Oh, everything. Any any veg that's available, mate. Roast potatoes, turkey, pickling blankets, Yorkshire pudding probably maybe a bit of cranberry sauce if I'm feeling it anything and everything mate is going on my plate anything so that means brussels
0: sprouts as well of course
1: yeah that's probably the the least enjoyable part of the
0: thing <laughs> but I'll still have one or two on there mike what's your opinion on brussels sprouts
2: oh absolutely love them if you do them right uh, maybe grill them a little bit of butter on there salt and pepper and by the way, if I, if I could chime in, uh, I, I have to be honest, I'm just a little bit surprised uh, that right now I'm getting culinary and cuisine advice from Brits and not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So Brussels sprouts. So I need to make them. So with buttery oil,
2: what did you say? Mm. Grill them as well? And then they're going to be nice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You could put them in a bit of tin foil, put them on the grill. Uh, do you call them the Barbie uh, over there? I'm not sure. Uh, I've got a fire pit down here. Yeah, it's, it's perfect when you put it over an open flame.
0: Oh, amazing. You're going to revolutionize my Christmas. Would you have Brussels sprouts on your Christmas plate?
2: Uh, if they're available, I will put them on there for sure. I, I like to mix it up. You know, they say a good plate has uh, all the different colors and textures. So yeah, for sure. If there's green, I'm putting it on there.
0: Uh-huh, amazing. So that's Christmas sorted. Let's move on to football. Let's get to know how did you like football? When did you start liking football? So, I guess growing up in America, soccer would not have been the main one, probably American football, basketball, as well as baseball, different sports. How come you love football?
2: Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you can call it football. Soccer's a joke. Uh, <laughs> I call it that. That's what the game is it's play with the ball, with your feet. It's football, uh, but but yeah, I get what's the history? We we used to call it association football, that was shortened to ASOC, and then ASOC went to soccer, something like that, uh, and it stuck. I don't know, but yeah, uh, look, I was the type of kid, and and by the way, just to give the listeners some context, uh, so I'm on the East Coast. Uh, I was born and bred in New Jersey. Uh, I reside in the state of Maryland right now, um, but yeah, around the age of seven or so, uh, my parents picked up and moved. That was our first and only move of my childhood, uh, and they were the type of parents that uh, you know try everything once and if you don't like it okay no worries you know don't do it again um, but yeah you got to try everything once and that's when I was kind of getting into athletics sport and um, oh I did everything yeah gridiron football, baseball uh, I did gymnastics for years for crying out loud um, was super flexible for a while uh, but yeah no uh, soccer football was definitely my um, I would say I-, I was gravitated towards that I was certainly most attracted to that sport for whatever reason uh, started off with the you know, the town rec league or whatever, you know, you're on the blue dragons, you're on the green snakes and that type of thing. Uh, and yeah, I guess I just outgrew that very quickly and uh, tried out for the town travel team. Um, and I guess the, the rest is history. I, you know, progressed throughout the, the youth landscape, which by the way, I'm happy to, you know, explain as well. I know it's a little bit different over here than it is over there. So just let me know on that. Uh, I also happen to coach youth football over here, uh, so I can give you a little bit of insight as well. And uh, and yeah, you know, just progressed my way up the, the club ranks. Uh, played for a couple of top clubs in New Jersey. Um, when it came to like university, I wasn't. Uh, I was sort of always on the cusp. Uh, and again, I I don't know how big it's not as big over there. Over here, we basically marry athletics and academics together uh, for all its merits and all of its faults. Um, but but yeah, I was always on the cusp. Never really, um, you know, got to that level. But I played club at uni and uh, really enjoyed that. And then uh, you know, semi pro for about ten years or so. After that, uh, for for my local team, actually the club at which I coach. Um, and yeah, I, I would say about a year and a half ago, once COVID hit, uh, and you know, starting to progress. Uh, in age as well losing that half a step type of thing uh, and I think it was time to hang up the boots so uh, don't really play too much anymore um, when co-ed picks back up you know just rec stuff small-sided co-ed uh, I'll jump back into that but it hasn't really picked back up but yeah in a nutshell that's my playing history.
0: Amazing playing history seems like football is your main sport and you've loved it over the years now involved in coaching. What about watching it then on TV? Would you have watched the Major League Soccer? March, would that be your main one or would the Premier <laughs> League
2: or you venture now into the lower league clubs? Well, yeah, no, it's, it's funny because I feel like America and the UK have almost taken like opposite diverging paths when it comes to being able to watch football on TV. Like when I was growing up, it was impossible to get even the, you know, match of the day on for the Premier League. Champions League was a struggle uh, even and, and yeah, I mean, we had the MLS. I'm not really like that big of a fan. I understand it's not a very high level, but you know growing up in New Jersey, I was a New York Red Bulls fan, come down here, you know, been to a couple of DC United games, that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, but anyways, back to my point, which is that over the years, we have actually increased our access, uh, whereas from what I've heard from what I know, in the UK it seems to have gone in the other direction and, and it seems a bit more difficult to be able to catch the games. Uh, on television, you get blacked out or you can only watch the 3.30 on Saturday type of thing. Uh, but yeah, here we just have everything on NBC. We have the Peacock app extension, which yeah, you have to pay extra for. Same thing for Paramount Plus, you know, all these networks and services. They kind of nickel and dime you for all your work. Uh, but we have access to like every single game over here. So what long story short, when I was a kid, it was tough to watch football on TV, uh, but now it's just everywhere.
0: So then tough to watch football. How did you then develop an interest? Because I believe you're, you are an Arsenal fan. How did you then start loving Arsenal?
2: Yeah, it's funny. So uh, I, I, I was aware of those things. Even though uh, you know, we weren't able to watch it on TV, uh, the internet was still not really a thing. Um, but you could still like read in the paper and see in magazines uh, and that type of thing uh, about the big clubs and about the big leagues uh, and all that. And that was great um you again couldn't really see it too much so I couldn't you know see the players and fall in love with that uh but uh if you're asking me how I became an Arsenal supporter let's just say as uh, as a kid I think I was born a contrarian uh and all of my friends were Manchester United fans so I just went with the other team <laughs> to be honest i a team to get friends annoyed with you then yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, you're just on, on the playground at recess and everyone's, you know, talking about uh, Manchester United this, Manchester United that. And I was like, you know, I'm sick and tired of that. So who's the other good team at the time? And obviously that's when, you know, the Invincibles were coming up. And, uh, you know, again, I'm still only like eight, nine years old, so I'm not going to pick, you know, Newcastle or, uh, you know, Sunderland to, <laughs> uh, to, to support. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, I just I took the other team and it was Arsenal and I've been a supporter ever since. Are you pleased
0: you chose Arsenal then in the end? Any favorite memories supporting Arsenal?
2: Well, it depends on the day, obviously, right? So <laughs> for, for a very long time, it was uh, it was nothing but joy. Uh, and, you know, the, the Wenger years were fantastic. Uh, you know, then we had that, that little bit of interim period, of course, uh, I'm a big Arteta fan, uh, have been since day one. So I really enjoy uh, watching them now. The project seems to be coming to fruition. Uh, but but yeah, it was it was tough there for a while. I mean, we were we were the laughing stock um, at times. I mean, there were uh, so many instances that I could point to where I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to be an Arsenal supporter. And one of them uh, guys was actually. Uh, you know, when the Super League came about, and, and that might segue perfectly into the dial square thing, which was that when the Super League happened and my club was a part of it, which, by the way, I mean, I think at the time we were sitting in like 12th in the table, we hadn't done jack in Europe and, and somehow were a super club, which was an oxymoron and ridiculous in and of itself. Uh, but I, I was just so disenchanted and I felt so disconnected. Um, with the club and just the sport in general. So, yeah, so I just went down the rabbit hole and, uh, and, and I came across Dial Square. And I, I wanted to be a part of it.
1: You talk about the money there, Mike, and obviously Newcastle are a prime example of that. I just want to know what yeah. your take is on the money situation in football at the top of the game in England. Is, is it sort of something that, obviously, you're, you're overseas, but do you still feel that disconnect as a fan from the league just sort of due to the amount of money that's in that sort of division?
2: Yeah, it it just seems to be a bit of a farce at this point. I mean, rewind a bit and you go back to Abramovich coming into Chelsea, and it was like this big disruptor, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, are you telling me an oil tycoon, a billionaire, can just buy a club?" Uh, but it wasn't like the norm at that point. Um, but now it is becoming the norm, where not just billionaires, but you know, billion-dollar corporations and actual nation states, you know, are allowed to buy clubs. And it just doesn't seem right to me, especially when you do talk about the Premier League's fit and proper test, which look, I don't claim to be an expert on this type of thing, uh, but as far as I can tell, an you know an autocratic nation state that where homosexuality is illegal right and they chop people's heads off and literally murder journalists for free speech uh that doesn't seem it basically if they don't if if they fit the fit and proper test you know if if they don't fail that test well then who would And, and so it just seems to me like the game is becoming like basically anyone with a bunch of cash can just come on in and buy a club
1: and obviously, on the other end of that spectrum, we've got Dahl Square. No, they're not the sort of the glamour and the money. Right. Uh, where did you hear about Dahl Square, and what sort of piqued your interest in, in following this team?
2: Yeah, to be honest, you know, like I said, I just went down that rabbit hole. That, you know, once I heard about the Super League, and and to be honest, I don't remember the exact. Uh, whatever it was that I came across. I mean, it might've even been like a Wikipedia page. Uh, But yeah, bottom line was, I I just, I saw that, the name, the idea, uh, and just, you know, branched out from there, did some more research, you know, found the website, as well. And uh, yeah, just took it from there. I, you know, I, I became a member, you know, sent the money over. That was when uh, Joanne was still uh, running the memberships. So I was, you know, interfacing with her. Uh, you know, I got my nice little care package in the mail and I'm sporting my scarf and my beanie. I got the pin hanging up and everything. Uh, and, and yeah, I don't know. I, again, I just don't remember the exact moment, uh, but, but yeah, I'm in, I'm a supporter and, and I love what you guys are doing over there.
1: And sort of that connection as a, as a fan overseas, as a you know, square supporter, has sort of that sort of well connection and, and communication been like with supporters here in the UK or sort of people associated with the club and yourself?
2: Yeah, so my connection is not so much with the other supporters. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't made like a concerted effort to try and you know get connected with know some of the blokes that you had on before or you know anyone who's else is in the membership uh but yeah for me the connection is more so um you know your podcast obviously uh the chairman uh, when he sends those monthly newsletters out i mean he'll like he'll respond to my emails personally which is like a really cool thing i feel that connection as well and then and then yeah of course you know through the website i'll take a look at the the results and the match reports uh, and this that and the other thing and and that's how I, I stay connected I, I would love I don't know if anything ever came of you know like a twitch stream or you know some sort of like live cast uh, I, I might have missed it if there was something but yeah I, would, I mean I would love to be able to watch the matches.
1: I think going to touch on that so how do you obviously you spoke about you know reading the match reports and stuff is that something that in the future you want to get over to the UK and watch games obviously once the COVID situation potentially changes?
2: Oh, yeah. Once we're able to travel, for sure. I'm there. I mean, I might even uh, make that as my stop on, on the way to Doha uh, next year. So, yeah, I could pop over, maybe uh, get a few ales with you boys in the pub and, uh, and and we could talk all things dial square, you know, maybe catch a catch a game if they're playing it at that time. Uh, and then, yeah, then I'll fly over to the Middle East. I'm, I'm definitely trying to go next year.
1: And then obviously your thoughts on the season so far, obviously it's a quite a small league. It's been something that a lot of people on this podcast have, you know, discussed There's only, only eight teams in the league, but have you sort of made, what have you made of this season? Obviously Simon's first season in charge of the club. Um, you know, there's a lot of expectation and in a second in the table and we're sort of a, a team that's obviously still building and progressing. What are your sort of general thoughts on the season being?
2: Well, yeah, I, I used the word project before. It appears that, you know, this is another project and, and projects, you know, take time uh, and, and... Not for anything, but it's, it's a pretty good start, right? Uh, you know, obviously with the latest result, looks like you know, the league might be out of reach um, unless, uh, how do you say, him or Lailahem? Lailahem, yeah. Yeah, unless they drop points and, you know, we win out type of thing. But right, like you said, you have cups to look forward to and all that good stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's a project and a project takes a long time. Believe it or not, I've actually done a number of projects over here in the States as well, starting my own club, uh, I've been a part of a club that has other smaller projects as a part of it, you know, the club that I coach at now. Uh, so I'm very familiar with the, the idea of a project and uh, not not just how much time and, and effort and resources goes into it, uh, but also, you know, how much you really have to take your licks as it goes along uh, and, and, and that it's not going to be smooth sailing. You will have to navigate choppy waters. Uh, and it's those who, you know, don't bail and those who stay with the project, um, you know, who really believe in the mission uh, uh, you know, it's, it's up to them to, to lead you through it. And eventually what I've, you know, it's when people believe in, in, in a mission and, and they have core values and, and, and again, people believe in those things, you know, you, you can do big things. It just won't happen immediately. As they say, Rome was not built in a day.
1: Talking about that project, where do you want to see the club get, say, in, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years time? Do you think like league status is something that's achievable?
2: Uh, it, it seems to me, yeah. And, and again, I don't have, you know, I'm not on the inside here, but uh, it, it, it looks to me like you have the pieces in place for sure. Um, again, for me, it just comes that, you know, people come and go, managers come and go. And again, it seems like Simon's great and, and you know, the players, you've brought in uh, plenty of good signings. Um, uh, but you know, players will come and go, managers will come and go, but the idea will always live on. And again, the core values is what matters. Uh, and as long as you have people that are, are doing everything that they can and upholding those core values, then yeah, I, I imagine it'll be successful. I, I, I actually don't know. Um, maybe you guys can help me. It is the, what is it? The, uh, Guilford and Woking Alliance league, right? Wh- which tier of English football is that? I'm guessing like ninth, 10th.
1: I think it's further down than that. Um, I'd have to double okay. check. But I believe it's about the 11th or 12th. Yeah, it's quite okay. quite okay, low on the scale. But in the way that it works, you can be promoted about two divisions. There's not really much stability in the bottom of English football at that kind of level. Like Once you go sure. up, then yeah, there's a lot more stability. I mean, Dahl probably could still technically be promoted this season if teams sort of go under. So the money at that level is in England is just not good enough. In all honesty, grassroots football is... To something that's completely ignored, so yeah, fingers crossed for Dahl that you know, once they get that progression up the leagues, I'd be a lot more stability, and uh, yeah, I think that's what this club needs in all honesty. But uh, let's move forward with that. On that note, who do you want to win more on a Saturday, Dahl Square or, or Arsenal? <laughs> uh,
2: well, yeah, I've, I've got to go for six points from six, uh, if they're both playing, uh, for sure. But if if I had to choose one, I, I guess I don't know, it depends on the the situation, doesn't it? Right, I mean, if it's a, a a pointless, you know, Carabao Cup tie, uh, you know, with, with Arsenal, then you know, maybe I, I don't know, uh, and Dial Square are playing for their lives, and you know, winner uh, gets promoted, or uh, you know, it's a final of a cup, uh, then then yeah, I might, I might, you know, cheer for the Dial if I, you know, gun to my head type of thing. But uh, yeah, of course, I'm always got my fingers crossed and, and hoping for uh, two wins from from two games.
1: And then, do you have a sort of a message to anyone that stay in America or even just anywhere else overseas as an overseas fan? Why, would, why should they support Dahl Square? Um, what's so important about supporting a club like this?
2: Yeah, I would say even if it is not necessarily your team or even if you are not an Arsenal supporter who stumbled upon this like I did, um, I just think it's the cause, isn't it? Right. And and it's, it's standing up for something that you believe in. Uh, and, we're, you know, I'm not trying to uh grandstand here and say that this is like a huge matter of justice in the world or whatever in terms of causes but it it is a cause it is a thing that is meaningful uh to people um like you know for example i'll tell people like i'm not a religious guy but my religion is football and you know i was uh, i went to the university of maryland uh for four years class of 07 so shout out terps and um and yeah you know that was that was our church Right. Because because what else is church? What else is religion? But a group of people who believe fervently in the same thing, gathering uh, and having a moment, a feeling of community together. Uh, and that's what I felt like when I was at those grounds with those people watching that team. And uh, and, and yeah, that's a cause. That is a, a belief that I think needs to uh, to persist. I think it needs to be supported. Um, and yeah, and even if you are not a Dial Square supporter, even if you're not an Arsenal fan, I would say support the cause.
1: Then if you spoke about the Dialcast and you listen to us, but we believe you have your own podcast, Mike, Do you want to just plug that to anyone that's listening to this
2: oh yeah for sure thanks adam um yeah so it's called stuck in a farmers league soccer podcast yes i have to call it soccer because it's in america um but yeah look we get it you know podcasts are dime a dozen and uh th- there's plenty of good ones out there uh but me and my buddy jared who i grew up with you know we we know our stuff and uh, even though we're not like the authority on it we you know we don't take ourselves too seriously we have a laugh there's just way too much good stuff out there uh you know to to have a laugh about so um yeah, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's explicit, yeah, I would say, just to, to give the listeners uh, to be clear and set the expectations. Uh, but it's just, it's raw. It's, it's a little bit unpolished, and, and we just enjoy uh, rapping about football. So, yeah, stuck in a Farmers League Soccer podcast. Thanks for uh, that shameless plug there.
0: Amazing, Mike. I will we'll definitely be wanting to listen to that. We'll hopefully put it maybe in the description as well after the podcast. Everyone, listeners, yeah. if you want to get to know Mike, fellow Dial Square fan, Definitely give it a listen. Anyways, to end today's podcast, it's been a great episode. Thanks very much, Mike. But let's get back in the Christmas spirit. And I've got a challenging question. I want to hear your two best jokes. So it's a, a joke each from both of you. Give me your best Christmas joke. Adam, mate. We'll start with you. Best Christmas joke. Let's, we've got to cheer up the fans. We're all a bit down after the lay-home result. Let's cheer them up. Let's get us back in the Christmas spirit. Adam, firehead. Do you have a Christmas joke for me?
1: I do, mate. I can't claim that this has come from me. This has come from uh, a source online, but uh, it is a good joke. How will Christmas dinner be any different after Brexit?
0: Oh, how will Christmas dinner be any different after Brexit? I mm, wonder if our listeners got it yet. How will Christmas dinner? Go for it. Take us out no. of misery. No Brussels. Uh, <laughs> that's quite good. That's quite good, yeah. Mike traditionally would have Brussels sprouts on all Christmas dinners. No Brussels. That's quite good, Mike. Do you have a Christmas joke for us?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I can follow that. That's how you tie together a podcast (laughs) right there, full full circle. Uh, But I will say, you know, since uh, you know, since we want to be hip with the kids these days, uh, I will say uh, this is my Christmas joke. I can't take credit for it either, Uh, but I'll say, why do Santa and his reindeer like Beyonce so much?
0: Slay something about a slayer. She <laughs> say slayer
2: because she slays,
0: she slays, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that from our Christmas crackers. Um, last one, I'll conclude it. How much did Santa pay for his slay? No idea, don't know, nothing because it was on the house. Hey,
2: <laughs> that,
1: is, that is awful, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, what a way to end the very podcast. Funny. Very punny, very
0: punny. What a way to end the podcast. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We've enjoyed doing it uh, this year. We'll be back in the new year. We wish you all, listeners, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Folks for listening. Thank you very much, Mike, for coming on. Happy Christmas, mate.
2: Yep, happy Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. No
0: worries. It's been a cracking episode. Hope the listeners enjoyed that. And again, we'll put it in the description, your podcast. So everyone, whoever's listening, look at the description, give Mike's podcast a listen. But thanks once more. Happy Christmas all and a happy new year.